Welcome to a Yin Yoga podcast. I'm your host, Nick Denu, certified yoga therapist, mentor of yoga teachers, Yin Yoga teacher trainer, and total Yin Yoga geek. If you have a crush on Yin Yoga and are ready to dive deep, then you're in the right place. Here, myself and my guests will discuss all things Yin Yoga, including anatomy, philosophy, traditional Chinese medicine, meditation, Taoism, teaching tips, and so much more. You can expect these conversations to be long format, informal, lo-fi, and delightfully imperfect. So whether you are a yoga teacher or a yin yoga student, I welcome you to the inside. Hi, Yinis, and welcome back to a Yin Yoga podcast. If you're new around here, welcome, welcome. If you are not new, if you've been around for a while, like all of the first season, welcome back. This is the first episode, if you're listening to this live, of season two. Wow. Can't believe it's 2024. And if you are listening to this live, this will be the second season. If you have been listening to this podcast throughout the first season and you have been finding value in it, if you've had aha moments or especially as teachers, if there's things that I've shared that are directly helping you in your classes, I would be so grateful if you would just take a moment to pause this right now, go into whatever app you're listening to it on. So whether that's Spotify or Apple and give it five stars or on Apple, a written review, or both. This really helps, this little two-minute thing that you could do for me, really helps the podcast show up more in the algorithm, right? So the more reviews and comments and um, written reviews a podcast gets, the more likely that Apple or Spotify or whoever is going to be to show this to new people. So the way that we can spread the yin love is to play the game of the algorithm. And if you are watching this on YouTube, and by the way, those of you listening, did you know you can always watch the completely unedited version on YouTube? It's true. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you wouldn't mind taking a moment to subscribe if you haven't already and like this video, and please feel free to leave me a comment, especially if you've got things you'd like me to talk about on the podcast. Let me know in the comments so that I can add those to the list. Okay. So if you wouldn't mind taking a moment to, you know, leave five stars, leave a written review. If you're on Apple, if you're on YouTube, like, and comment and subscribe, I would be super grateful. Okay. Let's get into today's episode. So this episode is about restorative versus yin yoga. So yin yoga and restorative, same, same, but different? This is one of the most common questions I get from yoga teachers and the general public as well. What's the difference between restorative and yin? So we're going to break that down today. 
just a heads up, anyone watching this on YouTube, I do have notes. So you may see me looking up at the camera and back at my notes again. And this is because I have ADD. And so if I don't have notes, I will talk in a circle and I will forget to come back to the beginning. So these are to keep me on track. So let's get into this, shall we? Yin versus restorative. Same, same, but different. So one of the reasons that I think that this is really important to talk about is because there's often confusion between these two styles, as I mentioned, either with the teacher or with students. And so if you are a teacher or a studio owner who has never taken specific specialized training in either yin yoga or restorative yoga, then I can see how these might be confused as interchangeable. Although these two styles can look very similar from the outside, from the inside, they are very different practices. They have different intentions. They feel different physically, mentally, and energetically. Both are beautiful practices. I love and practice them both. I teach them both, not currently teaching restorative right now, but I have taught many restorative classes and would love to again when the right circumstance allows. So when you're teaching yin and restorative, I think it's really important to define the difference here. They're both beautiful practices, but labeling them as the same does both of them a disservice. So when teaching both yin and restorative, we want to be really clear on how we're defining each style. So I'm going to give you my definitions of what, what restorative is and what yin yoga is, just so that we're all on the same page here. But just know these are my definitions, right? The yogaverse is a bit of the wild, wild west out there. And so there are people that will define these things differently sometimes just because they don't know that there are some sort of industry industry standard definitions and sometimes out of pure rebellion. But either way, this is how I'm going to define them. My definition of restorative yoga has its roots in the Iyengar yoga tradition, who could be said is the pioneer of restorative yoga, and via Judith Hansen Lassiter, who is commonly known in yoga circles as the queen of restorative yoga. And so if you have not, if you're a younger teacher and you have not heard of Judith Hansen Lassiter, I highly recommend you check out some of her books. She's got so many books. She's really, really well-versed in restorative yoga. You can even get a ton of them from the library. So if restorative yoga is something that you want to learn and teach, start by practicing it using her books and then get a good solid restorative training before you start offering it. This is Judith's definition of restorative yoga. I reached out to her several years ago because I was writing a blog post on this topic and I thought, well, who better to define restorative yoga than the queen of restorative yoga? So here is Judith's definition. Restorative yoga is the use of props to support the body in positions of comfort and ease to facilitate relaxation and health. Restorative yoga is about opening, not about stretching. A few of the poses might create a slight stretch, 
but stretching is not the intention at all. So I feel like that could use some repeating. So restorative yoga is the use of props to support the body in positions of comfort and ease. Let's tease those words out for a moment. Comfort and ease to facilitate relaxation and health. Restorative yoga is about opening, not stretching. Restorative yoga is about opening, not stretching. A few of the poses might create a slight stretch, but stretching is not the intention at all. So the reason I keep kind of banging on this drum is because this is some of the key differences. And I will say anybody who has trained with Judith or anybody who has practiced with somebody who has been trained with Judith will know that even though she says some might create a slight stretch, if as a student in one of those classes, you were to say you're feeling a slight stretch, they would just go put more stuff under you, they'd put more blankets, more bolsters. They'd put little things under your wrists so that you are completely settled, relaxed, and feel like sort of like you're being held in a cloud so that you can totally let go in your body. So from the outside, if you think that as soon as you use a yoga bolster, you're doing restorative yoga, which is not the case, I can understand how restorative yoga and yin might look similar to you. But from the inside, they are very different experiences. And dear yoga teacher, if you're listening to this right now and you did believe that as soon as you use a yoga bolster or a blanket in a yoga class that you're doing restorative yoga, please don't feel called out. This is a common misunderstanding in teachers that were trained in styles of yoga that don't have a lot of accessibility and that don't use a lot of props. So if your first teacher training didn't have a focus on making poses accessible for a wide variety of students and bodies, and they didn't include props in your training, I can understand why you might think that when a yoga bolster comes out, it's suddenly restorative yoga, but that is not the case. All props can be used in any style of yoga to help a student get more comfortable, to make the pose even possible, some students can't do certain poses without props. And guess what? They never will be able to because of their bone structure. So if you come from the styles of yoga where you were taught that props are for people who can't do, and I'm doing air quotes, can't do the full pose. Or when you use a prop, it's because you have the goal of eventually someday not using the prop. Or if when you pull a bolster or a blanket off the prop shelf, you're suddenly doing restorative yoga. None of these things are true. These are just yoga verse myths. We use props to make the shapes accessible to a wider range of students. So I'm saying this because I know that there's a lot of people out there and I see it all the time in my yin classes where I get everybody to get all the props that we're going to use. And I recommend the props in the shapes. And I'll see sometimes that people are like hesitant to use a strap or hesitant to use a block. And it's because they've been in yoga classes where they've been told, oh, if you can't do the, and I'm doing air quotes here, full pose or the complete pose or the full expression of the pose, then grab a block. And I just think that as a, as an industry, we need to stop doing that. That's a rant for another time. 
but just know, dear yoga teacher, if you're listening to this and you're like, wait, what props aren't just for the people who can't do the full pose? No, they are not. And that just because a blanket and a bolster comes out does not mean that this is now a restorative class. These are ways to get people more comfortable and to make the practice more accessible. So, okay, rant over. From the outside, yin and restorative can look similar, but from the inside, they couldn't feel more different. So although we could say that restorative yoga is yin-like in nature, and if you're like, what? Wait, I thought you just said they're different. Why are you saying yin-like in nature? I'm talking about yin as a concept, not yin as a style of yoga. And if you're not really up on yin and yang theory, I have a whole episode that I did on that in season one. I will link it in the description. You can listen to that to get a better understanding of this concept of yin and yang. So restorative yoga is yin-like in nature. But when I'm using the term yin yoga throughout this episode, I'm referring to the yin yoga that was taught by Paul Grilly. So just a couple laying of the land things before we get into what are the similarities, what are the differences, et cetera, is that when I'm saying restorative yoga, I'm talking about restorative yoga as it was taught by Judith Hanson Laster from the Iyengar tradition. And when I'm talking about yin yoga, I'm talking about yin yoga as it was taught by Paul Grilly. So just to set the, the framework of how we're, how I'm going to address these things. Okay. So what are the common elements that are shared by both yin yoga and restorative yoga? And what are the differences? Okay. Same, same, but different. So here's the same, same. Here's some things that they have in common. Stillness. Once we've taken the shape, we move towards stillness. Occasionally in a practice, there might be a few gentle movements at the start before people settle in to get more comfortable, but normally it quickly settles into stillness. Longer holds. Both styles of yoga have longer holds than what you would have in a more movement-based practice. In a yin class, the holds are an average of two to five minutes. So that's just an average, different teachers and different practitioners may extend those times, but that's kind of a good average. And in a restorative practice, in a true restorative practice, hold times can vary, ranging anywhere from 10 to even 30 minutes. I will say though, that if you are in the Judith Lassiter camp, that 10 minutes might be considered very short actually for a restorative pose. The goal is to get people in the shape and so supported that they really get to settle in and become deeply relaxed before you're asking them to move into something else. Quiet. Both classes tend to have less talking from the teacher than a more active class. Both yin and restorative classes are likely to be quieter and contain longer spaces between cueing from the teacher. Although I would say the degrees also from my experience teaching are different here. So when we're doing a restorative class, we're probably talking even less than in a yin class, simply because in a yin class, we may be helping people if that are new to yin. So we may have a little bit of a preamble about here's yin, here's what you can expect. We may be walking them through the shapes and the variations and some prop options. And because we're not in the poses as long, there's that just inevitably is gonna to lead to a little more talking because you have to get people in and out of their shapes. Whereas in a restorative practice, 
if someone's in a shape for 30 minutes, you don't talk while they're in the pose. You get them in, you get them settled, you maybe call out a few things, you help people get comfortable, and then there's a lot of quiet time. Now, sometimes in both yin and restorative, people might read a poem or a reading, but it's sparse. We're allowing lots of time for silence. So that's some of the things that are the same or similar. Okay, same, same, but different. So the use of props. So although any style of yoga, as I mentioned before in my rant up just a few moments ago, can and should, in my opinion, use props, restorative yoga leans heavily on props. It is not uncommon to have more than one bolster, a few blankets, bricks and blocks, chairs, eye pillows, and more. Every little nook and cranny is supported so that there is no stretch feeling in the body, only supported relaxation. In fact, it is impossible to do this kind of restorative yoga without props. So I'm going to say that again. You can't do restorative yoga, as I'm defining it, without props. Some yin teachers, like myself, may use props in their yin classes to make the poses more accessible or even just frankly possible for a wide range of students. However, you don't necessarily need props to practice yin. In fact, I've been in yin classes where there are no props available at all. And if you look at some of the original yoga books on yin, whether it's Sarah's or Paul's or Bernie's, you'll see very few, if any, props used at all. But just to be clear, that doesn't mean that those teachers are saying you don't use props in yin yoga. They just didn't put them in the pictures. So I've been on over 500 hours now of training with Paul Grilly, and there's props everywhere in that room. As teacher trainees, some of us, myself included, even bring our little suitcase of props in case there isn't what we need available. And so the props in yin are used to get you more comfortable so that you can focus on the shape that you're in and the sensations in your body and being present to that. And also some of us, like myself, who have added some upper body poses to the yin repertoire, poses that weren't like in the original poses taught by Paul. There's several of us teachers that have added upper body poses in. And so in my practice with my students, my own personal practice, and when I train teachers, there are some poses that I teach you that you can't do without props because the prop itself is creating the shape in the body. But that being said, if you had a place where you were teaching and you had no props, you could still teach a yin class. You would be a bit more limited as to who you could serve, what their accessibility is, and also what poses you could offer, but it is possible. And I've been to yin classes where there are no props available. That is not possible in restorative yoga. Because in restorative yoga, it's all about the nervous system and deep rest. So the goal is to have the students feel so supported and held by the props that they feel no stretch. To have, I'm going to say that again. The goal is to have the students feel supported and held by the props so that they feel no stretch. The container of a restorative practice is designed to create deep rest and is all about the parasympathetic nervous system. I mentioned it's sort of like being on a cloud full of props so that you can really relax. 
It's like a mini vacation. So in yin yoga, though, we will feel sensations in the body. Now, I just want to call this out because right now I'm going to hear, I hear you yoga teacher in my head saying, yeah, but what about people that are hypermobile? Maybe they shouldn't be feeling a stretch and they shouldn't be doing yin. I'm just going to put a pin in that for later because we will have an episode on hypermobility. But notice that I didn't say they should feel a stretch in their body, dear teacher. I said sensation. Sometimes that sensation might be a stretch. Sometimes that sensation might be compression. Or sometimes it might even just be the subtle energetic sensations of the chi flowing in your body. But one thing is certain in yin yoga, if you can get very curious, you want to feel and notice the sensations in your body. Yin yoga is an inside out practice. It is a great opportunity to practice being super curious about what is happening on the inside of us. And a teacher can direct a student's attention there again and again when the mind wanders. So yin yoga is a great opportunity to practice what's called interoception by bringing your attention back to the body when the mind wanders. If you're not familiar with interoception, there is a whole episode on that in the first season. And I'll link in the show notes. But loosely described, an awareness of what's happening on the inside of you is interoception. And yin is an ideal practice to cultivate the skill of interoception because it is such an inside out practice, because we are drawing our attention to our bodies again and again when the mind gets busy. Because of this intention to feel the sensations in the body during the poses, and again, I'm just going to say it again because I can hear some of you already kicking up a storm out there. I did not say stretch, I said sensations. Sometimes during the pose, then yin can be quietly challenging, both mentally and emotionally. So coming back to our body again and again, and trying to, you know, rein in our busy brain, the thinking and the planning and the list writing and all the things, this is the challenge often in a yin practice. So a yin practice can be really relaxing for some people on some days with certain mental conditions and for other people on other days and other mental conditions, it can actually be quite challenging and a bit unearthing, especially mentally and emotionally. Whereas in a restorative practice, we aren't directing the mind in a specific way. We're letting the mind be wherever it goes. Another difference is the, what I call the resonance or the linger and some teachers, my teacher calls the rebound. Some teachers I've heard call it the echo of a yin pose is hard to miss. And that is unique to yin. Because yin practice focuses on deep fascia, large bands of connective tissue and the meridians via the sinew channels and chi, in our yin practice, we can affect the energy pathways in our body in a really notable way that is quite different than the energetic effects of restorative yoga. And anyone who's done a good yin practice will know that feeling of trying to come out of a yin pose and feeling that urge to sort of moan and groan and move slowly and mindfully and feeling sort of vulnerable and fragile and, you know, temporarily not quite yourself. And this is again, normal in yin, and it's actually a good sign. 
but that's not something you experience in restorative yoga, because again, in restorative yoga, you're not trying to feel a stretch. So when you come out of a restorative pose, it's very gentle. It's very soft. It's very slow. You don't have that same linger or resonance of the former shape in your body. So one of the things that kind of to many yin teachers sort of pushes our buttons, let's just say, is these classes that are labeled as yin slash restorative. So I'm going to get into that soon. But just to be clear here, when we are teaching restorative yoga, the intention is the nervous system. It's a big yogic nap. It's all about rest. It's about getting into that rest and digest response. When we're teaching a yin practice, we're often cultivating an awareness of our inner landscape and we are practicing interoception and it can actually be quite challenging, both mentally and emotionally. If we're using props in these two practices, we're using the props in a different way. In a restorative practice, we would be using the props to create no stretch in that student's body or in your own body. So you would just keep bolstering and blanketing and blocking until you were like, ah, nap time. Whereas in a yin practice, we're either using the props to create the pose. So to create the sensation, a couple examples of that might be heart bed, bolster on the floor, sitting in front of it, laying back or fish pose over blocks. So in that case, we're using the props actually to create the sensation and to create the pose. Or also in yin, we can use props to make the poses more accessible and more available so that people can get more comfortable so they can settle in for the duration of time. Okay, so even how we use the props in these practices is very different if you understand the styles of yoga and the intentions of these. So that's sort of a just a brief summary of yin yoga versus restorative yoga. I'll just do a little summary here and then I'll talk about why I and many of my colleagues are not fans of combining these practices together in one class. So just to recap. Some of the things that they have in common, stillness. To different degrees, more stillness in restorative and slightly less in yin because the hold times are different. Longer holds. Both styles have longer holds than a more movement-based class. In yin, it could be an average of two to five minutes. Again, that's just a guideline, not a rule. And in restorative yoga, hold times can vary anywhere from 10 on the very shortest side and up to 30 minutes, depending on the pose, the teacher, and the practitioner. So although they both have longer holds, there's a big difference between a five minute and a 30 minute hold. Quiet. Both tend to have less talking from the teacher than a more active practice. Slightly even less talking in restorative than yin, but definitely there's a noticeable difference in how much the teacher is talking and guiding. So those are some of the similarities, some overlap. The differences. Restorative yoga leans heavily on props. In fact, it is impossible to do a true restorative practice as defined earlier in the episode without props. Whereas 
In yin, you can use props. And in fact, I encourage you to, but they're not necessary to do a yin practice. They might be for some bodies though. So when we're talking about whether or not you should use props in a class, we have to think about things like accessibility and making these poses available to a wide range of different bodies who have different skeletal variations, different bone structures. If you have not watched Anatomy for Yoga by Paul Grilly, it's not yin specific, but I cannot recommend that presentation enough. If you are a yoga teacher and you have not watched it, you must, you simply must. There is a link in the show notes to it. Please watch your, watch it. It will blow your mind. Okay. So if we acknowledge that we have different students with different bodies, different bone structures, different body proportions, arm and leg ratios, et cetera, not to mention different injuries and blah, blah, blah. In my opinion, all forms of yoga should have props available and all teachers should learn how to use them. But that's just my little soapbox. But to be clear, you don't have to use them in a yin practice, whereas you cannot do a restorative practice without props. So those are some summaries of the of the propping, the other major difference is whether or not you're feeling sensation in your body. So in a restorative practice, you're trying to get that student so supported and held that they don't feel stretch in their body or sensations in the body. They are just body neutral and it's all about the nervous system. Whereas in a yin practice, our students will feel sensations in the body. That sensation again might be stretch. It might be compression. It might be, um, the chi moving in your body. But we are directing in a yin practice our mind and our awareness back inside again and again to notice these things, to practice interoception. Whereas in restorative yoga, the mind is sort of just left to do and be what it will. The level of relaxation is very different in how it feels as well from a restorative practice. Restorative practice, you can feel like you're sort of waking up from a really long, deep nap. And in a yin practice, although you can feel really relaxed after a yin practice, that's not always the case though. People often don't feel deeply relaxed after yin, especially if they're new to it or they found it particularly challenging just for where they're at in their life. But I would say that the sense of relaxation in a yin practice, when you come out of it, you come back to the real world more quickly and there's a slightly like relaxed yet energized feeling. Sort of like if you've ever had matcha and espresso, right? So if you come out of a yin practice, you're going to feel like kind of like a matcha type buzz, meaning you might feel energized, but it's very smooth and gentle and clear. It's not buzzy. It's not intense, not that kind of energized. Whereas in a restorative practice, the person's really going to have to come out slowly. It's going to take them quite a while to kind of come back to the real world because it'll feel like they've had a deep nap, ideally. So there's some summary. Here's my bone to pick about these classes that are called restorative slash yin. And again, it's my bone to pick, but many of my colleagues have the same issue with this. And I can understand where it happened. So if dear yoga teacher, if you were listening to this or yoga student, and you thought that as soon as a bolster comes out, now that's a restorative practice. I can understand why you would not see a big deal in offering a class that was yin slash restorative, because you would think anytime we're not using props, it's yin. And as soon as we pull one bolster off, now we're doing restorative, but that is not the case. So 
because these practices are often so confused, not only by the general public, but by teachers, my preference is to not mix the two in the same class, because I think it just reinforces this confusion. And I also think that both of these practices are so beautiful that can't we just give them each their own just do on their own? But if you really feel like you need to combine yin and restorative, the only way that that can be done successfully, in my humble opinion, is number one, you as a teacher need to have a very clear understanding and training in both yin and restorative yoga. If you don't, you're going to be teaching a mushmash class that isn't clearly yin, isn't clearly restorative, and actually isn't really a skillful blend of the two either. So if you want to teach yin, you should take a yin training. If you need one, I've got one. I can hook you up. If you want to teach restorative, please take a restorative training. I don't have one. I can't hook you up. So first of all, if you're going to teach these styles, learn the styles. And then if you really feel like you need to make this hybrid class, here's how you could do it well. First of all, in your class description on the website or whatever, clearly state that you're going to do yin poses and then you're going to move into restorative poses. So in this way, you would start off with your yin shapes and then there would be a clear line in the class, a clear break as to like, now we're moving into restorative poses. So make sure that that's clear in your class description, whether it's on your poster or online or wherever it is. You know, this practice starts off with yin shapes and then we move into restorative. And then in the class, make it clear. These are yin shapes because again, just because they may be using some props in their yin doesn't mean they're now doing restorative. So these, you know, this part of the practice is going to be yin. Then we're going to move into restorative. Clearly communicate the differences and the different goals of the two shapes in your class description, in your promotional materials, and in the class itself. So saying to students, you know, yin and restorative, although sometimes they're confused, they are different practices. They have different intentions. So for the start of this class, we're going to be doing a yin practice. And here's my intention for this part of the class. Then partway through, we're going to move into restorative poses. And when we move into the restorative poses, this is our intention. This is what we're doing. We're not trying to feel a stretch. We're trying to feel supported. It's all about the nervous system. So if you're going to blend these styles together, I would recommend starting with yin, finishing with restorative. Energetically for the nervous system, that's just what makes the most sense. Don't do this like, here's a yin shape. Now you can take a restorative pose. Now here's a yin shape. Now there's a restorative pose. That's going to be jarring and confusing to the nervous system and to the student because they're not ever going to be able to sink deeply into a restorative pose and then come out of it and be alert enough, quickly enough to do a yin pose. So if you really feel like you need to blend these two, that is how I would do it. I would start with some yin. I would be really clear in my marketing copy on the class description of the website and at the intro of the class that this is a hybrid class of two separate styles of yoga. We're going to start with yin. This is what yin is really great at. And then we're going to do restorative. And this is what restorative is really good at. And then remind them when they start to move into the restorative that they're not trying to feel a stretch here. So you're going to make the holds even longer. You're going to support the body in a much deeper way so that there's a real clear 
sort of breaking point between the two styles, even though they can definitely can complement each other. Or now that you've listened to this, you could just decide that maybe you don't want to hybrid those at all. Maybe you just want to teach a full restorative practice or full yin practice. That being said, you could actually add a few yin poses or a few restorative poses at the end of any class. So if you were teaching a gentle half a class, there's no reason that you couldn't do a couple supported yin poses at the end of that class before the final stillness practice. Same thing goes with a restorative pose. You could add a very restorative, for example, very, very, very propped shavasana at the end of an active class. So we can use these tools once we have training in them to serve the needs of our student, but we want to be really clear on what we're doing, why we're doing it, and have the experience and the training in these styles to be able to do it well. Okay, my friends, I hope that this was helpful. I know that there is a lot of confusion about restorative versus yin. And although there is some same-same, there's definitely also same-same, but different. And I really hope that listening to this, you were able to get a clearer picture on how these might be different. I'm also going to post in the accompanying post on my website, I will post a couple of images of one pose, for example, and a different prop setup if you were doing it yin versus restorative, just for those of you that are still struggling with this visually. You're not able to picture it. I'll, set, I'll put some pictures in. And this is something that we go through in depth in my training. We try a pose in a very restorative way. And then we try the exact same pose in a yin way so that you really get a felt sense of it in your body. Okay, my friends, I hope this has been helpful for you. Again, if you are looking for yin training, uh, you're going to want to get on my wait list. So I do at this point, the time of this recording, a couple of times a year, I do yin trainings. They're on Zoom. They're done live on Zoom. So not in person and not pre-recorded, but live on Zoom, as in we all log in and we hang out together and I teach you live and um, you have access to the Zoom recordings for a full year. And there's more information with the link in the show notes. If you want to get on the wait list, if you're on social media, you can just DM me or email and say, hey, add me to the wait list. Or if you're on the, the page that is linked in the show notes, if you look at the very top or at the very bottom, or if you hang out for a minute or two, there will be a polite pop-up that will slide in and say, hey, do you want to get on the wait list? Then just enter your name and email and you will be on the wait list. Some of the perks of being on the wait list for the training is that you will get first notice when it opens and that I also do an early registration discount of the first, at this point, and this could change over time where I give the first five of you that sign up um, a discount code. And also I do have occasional opportunities for work trade or scholarship for those who really need it. So again, the only way you're going to find out about any of that stuff though, is if you're on the wait list, I don't share that stuff on social media. So if you're interested in checking out my training, get on the wait list in between trainings, you'll still get little love nuggets from me, like these podcast episodes or videos that you can practice with and things like that as well. Okay, my friends, I hope you have a beautiful day. If you're listening to this live, I hope that um, you have a beautiful new year. I hope that it brings you all your heart could want and more. And that you're able to fully be, for those of you especially that are teachers of service to your communities and to the world at large. Okay, until next time. Bye for now.
for those of you who stick around until the very end. Thank you. If you love this podcast, I'd be grateful if you gave it a review. It really helps other yin yoga lovers find it. If you've already given a review, would you consider sharing a screenshot in your Instagram stories? And don't forget to tag me at Nick Danu Yoga or at Yin Yoga Podcast so I can share the love. Before I sign off, some gratitude. First, for you, the listener, for spending time with me today. Big gratitude and deep reverence for my teacher, Paul Grilly. Thank you to Fred Westra for the hang drunk samples. You can hear more of his music by clicking the link in the show notes. A big thank you to my beloved for mixing the intro and outro tracks. And until we meet again, may you be well. May you be content. May you be at peace. May you be free.